Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello and welcome to your latest Royal Blue podcast. I'm your host, Sam Carroll, and today I'm joined by Gav Buckland, Dave Prentice and Adam Jones. How are we, fellas? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all, all right. right. I'm tired. Tired? Well, that's the reason Adam's tired, because Echo... Let's move quickly on. Echo yeah. FC. Shush. Shush. Echo FC in action last night. Dave and uh, Gav didn't meet the age threshold because we <laughs> look for players under 60. We've got a very Marcel Brands-esque... Yeah, uh, formula. Yeah, we yeah, know yeah. no players and over we, a certain uh, age. Everyone listening will be happy to know we took on the British Transport Police and we won fourteen one. And our very own Everton correspondent Adam Jones on the score sheet mm-hmm. Cele- celebrated. Did celebrate. Celebrated when you first put us, goal for the club when you put us ten one up. Probably the worst goal of the day. Sounds like a training exercise, doesn't it? Fourteen one. Yeah. Do you know what they weren't as bad yeah. as the scoreline? We were just mm. exceptional. I, yeah. I believe you had a couple of ringers in there, non-Echo employees, actually play for Bootle, so therefore that's you are... That's, that's a slay. That's a slay. The problem is, is right. even, even without any sort of supposed ringers, we had them for pace. Yeah, We had them for pace every, all day, every day, and we just battered them. I played the uh, the Antel and Alcaraz role at the back, I thought. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. there was one there was one stage where you just, just lost your head. You yeah. lost your head on the flank, hmm? uh, lost the ball. Went in for a slide tackle, which was hilarious. I missed. Yeah. <laughs> it just reminds me I've come, you know, I'm doing the Everton podcast, not the Liverpool Echo football team podcast. All right, all right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll, we will move straight into it. And obviously, we're all uh, very happy today. Lots of smiles because Everton continued a little turn of form at West Ham. Adam, you were at the London Stadium at the weekend. Our best performance of the season, according to Michael Ball. Is that something you'd agree with? Oh, fully. I'd say that was probably our only 90-minute performance of the season. Say maybe there was a 5-10 minute spell just after the half-time break where West Ham came out and looked a little bit stronger, but they didn't really create many clear-cut chances at all. I think Everton absolutely dominated the ball. Uh, when West Ham were in possession as well, that like high press that was there at the start of the season, that was back. Sigurdsson and Dominic Calvert-Lewin played so well in that respect. Neither got on the score sheet, but I think both of them put in some really good performances. And then, you know, you've got Bernard on the on the left, who I think his first forty five minutes was the best half of football any Everton players put in so far this season, because he was just he just ran Zabaleta ragged down that flank. You know, Zabaleta had no idea what he was trying to do, and uh, Andre Gomez as well was the other standout player for his ninety minute display. Like I'd argue that's probably his best performance that he's put in, maybe. His performance against, uh, against Liverpool at Anfield was, 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 was close, but yeah. I, I think... Apart from missing that header from one yard. Yeah, I think all, all round, that performance against West Ham was just absolutely brilliant, and that's the kind of performance we want to be seeing every week. And Dave, I was just checking my text then. After 10 minutes, I texted you of the game. Yeah. We, we were having a little chat, and I said, cue the inevitable 3-1 defeat after you said we should be 3-0 up by now. Is it was a difficult one, wasn't it? I think even a 2-0 up, whatever, and you can yeah. never be too sure about a yeah, professional if, performance. If, if, if you're being hypercritical, um, 
the, the the passing in the final third, the final ball into the box on a number of occasions wasn't quite good enough. I mean, I'm trying to think of, you know, have there been comparable performances this season? You look at Burnley on Boxing Day where, you know, 5-1 victory and it probably wasn't as dominant that day, but the finishing was better. It was more ruthless. And that was the only thing that was missing. Um, a little bit of ruthlessness in front of goal and a final ball, uh, which would have absolutely, you know, sort of cut them apart, uh, and which is why it should have been four or maybe five. Uh, Fabianski made a few decent saves, but, you know, the, the finishing could have been better on a couple of occasions. <clears throat> but when they're picking, really, because Everton were utterly dominant uh, from start to finish. Uh, it really annoys me a little bit sometimes when you look at the, um, the reflection from the national media on the Monday morning, and it's all... Damned with fame praise because West Ham were so poor. Yeah. And even match of the day on Saturday Sunday night was similar. I mean, Alan Shearer suggested that, um, he said, Everton were magnificent, but West Ham were woeful. And everything seems to be, you know, sort of countered by that phrase. But you can only beat what's in front of you. You can only, you know, sort of take apart what's in front of you. And to me, it's almost like West Ham, almost like a little bit arrogant, really. Almost like they thought that, you know, so they had the beating of Everson football-wise and so played an open game and allowed Everson to find the spaces and they took absolutely spectacular advantage of it. 2-0, could have been a lot more. And yeah, it sets everybody up for a you know, big game this weekend. One thing in the national media seems to be a common thing, really, over the last few weeks, doesn't it? Oh, Everton only beat Chelsea because they had an off-second half. Everton only got a draw against Liverpool because they weren't at their best. How about Everton just played yeah. really, really well in all three games got, and just got, got really good results? Got, got to keep doing this, I suppose, to convince them otherwise. And Gav, a lot, a lot was made. You know, obviously Adam mentioned Bernard and some of the attack and football we played. You know, I think you said it before the podcast yourself. Some nice team moves for the for the goals. But now, I mean, only Manchester City have kept more Premier League clean sheets than Everton in 2019. Jordan Pickford has now kept the fourth most clean sheets in the Premier League. Um, <laughs> You know, so there's silver after all this stick we were kind of getting for conceding from set piece and stuff. We kind of seemingly stumbled across a defensive formula, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, four clean sheets in in five games. But yeah. I mean, did, I mean, I know we've had problems with with, um, with set pieces, but by and large, defensively, especially against the bigger teams this year, we've been reasonably sound all season, haven't we? Yeah, you know, no, both, yeah. we haven't conceded against Chelsea. We conceded. One goal against Liverpool across mm-hmm. two games. The only game where we've been found wanting is probably Spurs at home. Yeah, where most Just of the games. <laughs> are, yeah, Arsenal away we were okay, weren't we? We were, we were unlucky, um, and most of the other games I can't remember a really bad, spectacularly bad defensive performance. Maybe West Ham at home was perhaps uh, the worst. So we'd be, you know, Silver has a reputation being a bit Martinez-like defensively, but it's not like that at all. I think he can set a defense house. I mean, to to to. to to, to say keep a clean sheet I think where he's been found once and it's like players have not operated effectively at certain times in that system like Millwall away so I'm not surprised to see our improved defensive record um, over the last you know some month or two since we come back off the break because I think we've, we've been like been capable of that all season so it doesn't surprise me and I thought Saturday I thought we were great to share Adam and Dave's comments um, and I agree. I mean, I was, if that was Man City beating West Ham on 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 Saturday night, it'd be how great Man City played, and mm. you would not have heard how West Ham were poor. Oh yeah, it, it's like it's like if you're out the top side, the top six, and you play really well, it has to be because the opposition is not. 
not played, you know, and, and mm. that's contributed to your poor performance. And I didn't see that at all on Saturday. I just thought we played really, really well from from the off for 90 minutes. And um, it was, what was the goal? The attempt 17 3, was it something like that? Yeah, 73 9, but, 1 on top. Yeah, so well, that yeah. Gives, tells you everything, doesn't it, about the game? Because I think if the, you would expect if the other team was, was poor, you'd expect them to have a really good spell during the game, apart from mm. that five or 10 minutes that they, they didn't. Uh, and I just thought, 90% of that on Saturday was Everton playing great. And it was in the first half, especially, it was good to see our players, lots of our players running really quickly towards their goal. <laughs> you know, which is what it was. It's, it's so it's, simple, it's, isn't yeah, it? <laughs> what, you know, it's like, but there, there, there was comparisons with Positino when we got silver and you seen that, like, that first half was like Spurs when they'd been really, really good under Positino, where they'd done the same thing. You know, lots of players running really quickly towards the opposition goal, and, and first half especially, we we did that. And the only the only sort of sticking point I say we should have been about I think four or five would not have done us an injustice on uh, on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Just to stick with you for a minute, then Gav, do you think there's a, a bit of chopping and changing around? You know that that little period of the poor form. Do you think Silver has now come across as his best eleven? Was that the best eleven that started against West Ham? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, I, I would think so. In the right positions, probably as well. Mm-hmm. Um, still not sure about Richarlison on the right, but um, with Bernard's form, he's not given really Richarlison an option there, is well, he? I, th- I think Richarlison uh, on the right works because of yeah. how much he brings Seamus Coleman into the game. Yeah. Something I wrote about a bit earlier this week that Seamus Coleman's upturning form shouldn't be really slipping under the radar. I think he's starting to get back to you know, that pre-injury sort of form. He was bombing up down, up and down that flank against West Ham and he's looked a lot more defensively solid over the last few weeks as well and I can't help but notice that that's surely because he's got somebody like Richarlison in front of him rather yeah, okay. than somebody like Theo Walcott, let's say, who's, I think, his defensive positioning is absolutely yeah. ridiculous, to be, to be yeah. quite honest. I mean, Bernard, I mean, there was one time in the second half on, on Saturday where Bernard was the last man, wasn't he? I think mm. we'd had a corner and I think they broke or something and the ball got crossed over and he was on the halfway line, he was our last man. And I think uh, we shouldn't sort of underestimate his defensive contribution as well, mm. really. And uh, it was in the first half, you watched in the pub on Saturday and this lad saying that, said, Everton, the optimistic Everton fan, I said, are we still in the title race if we win there? <laughs> <laughs> you know. But yeah, that was I was made up. It, not only the best performance of the season, it was the best performance for well, maybe even going back to the best 13, 14 under Martinez. I can't think of many we've probably Man City. Yeah, the City 4-0 yeah. was quite good. Yeah, yeah, but in, ter- in terms of totally dominating the game from start to finish, especially yeah. on an opposition ground. You know, it was uh, it was as good as what we've done since uh, thirteen, fourteen. And, and as we mentioned in these pods before, I mean, it's so important for Marco Silva to finish the season on a high with a bit of momentum because so many questions are being asked, so many fingers are being pointed, and you just need something to take into the summer to think that yeah, this is starting to happen now. We're starting to see what we hoped would you know Marco Silva would achieve, and clearly he's got to continue to do it. And there are you know two or three very very tough games to come in the running. But, you know, back-to-back victories, uh, one of them against Chelsea, you know, so West Ham, who'd won four in a row, I think it was at home, yeah. uh, gave Liverpool all the trouble that they could handle, you know, so in that game. So, you know, it's, it's not a gimme, it's not an easy game, you know, so to expect to, you know, so go in and, you know, so totally dominate. So, yeah, you know, everything's going in the right direction, but the important thing now is to, you know, do it again. Well, this is what it looks again. like 
Silva might have turned the corner because I know personally I was a little bit worried that the international break might have come at a, quite a bad time mm. for Everton because, you know, we've had that really, that massive boost before the international break of a, you know, home win against Chelsea, you know, finally getting that top six thing off our backs. But then you've got two weeks to just sit on that and, you know, going into a game away at West Ham, it was never going to be an easy game, although we made it look easy in the end. But, you know, you do, you did just worry that with how we've performed so far this season, maybe that inconsistency would slip in again, maybe a little bit of complacency even after yeah. after that Chelsea game. So but it was really nice to see Everton just go into that game, try and hit them early, did hit them early, and then just dominated from there. Yeah, on it's, it's funny what Gav said earlier about uh, not having defensive issues against the very big teams this season. That to me suggests that there's like a concentration issue that they can do it. You know, so when they're focused yeah. and when they know they need to do it, but you know, the very very best teams do it every week and they do it against like the more mediocre sides. And whether you'd ca- you know cast West Ham in that bracket, I'm not so sure. Uh, but you know, it's got to be done week in week out. Hopefully Sunday, Arsenal, you know, decent crowd, decent atmosphere. There won't be focus issues and concentration issues. They'll repeat it again. It's the week after. Mm. You know, so when there's you know so a game that maybe isn't quite in that category, mm. you've got to you know do that that's well, what the best teams do well focus is a word that Kurt Zuma brought up today yeah. wasn't yeah. it like in his post-match sort of comments he was saying we were absolutely focused from the yeah. first minute and that's that's it's absolutely yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's what's helped them so yeah let's fingers crossed they can take that into the Arsenal game and let, let's say. just toss in as well that remember our old friend Bradley Cates who was in this very room only yeah. uh, a, a week or so ago my replacement you mean younger model Gaff, yeah. younger you, model. you have literally said on this podcast that you don't like stats I don't and he threw in this one that Everton had uh, created more goal scoring chances from set pieces than any other team in the Premier League and you know obviously a lot of focus is on the fact that we can't defend them very well or we hadn't done you know up until the last four or five games and you know totally understanding you know why that would be a focus but as a result that other issue about creating set piece chances seems to be an overlooked and uh, I said again at the weekend your know, first goal from a corner Richarlison hit the crossbar from a corner good to see it shows yeah. that you know so a lot of attention to detail is taking place on the training ground and you know fingers crossed it's beginning to you know so reap dividends yeah, as well. Walcott, was a, Walcott was against Southampton was yeah. it about yeah. Yeah. just got to yeah. take a few more of those chances now yeah. haven't you like you're seeing so many opportunities come our way from these free kicks and corners yeah. as you say but there's actually quite little goals being created from them. Yeah. Like you need to try and up that conversion well, rate. It's, it's a I mean, massive uh, part of, of yeah. a game. Now yeah. you think back to the eighties, we think about all the free flowing football and everything. But how many times did Derek Manfield score? You know, from a corner kick or Andy Gray. Waggy, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. think back to the ninety-five FA Cup win, first goal in the semi-final, Andy Hinchcliffe's corners. You know, they were such a weapon. Even back in uh, the Moyes days, we had Kale and Lescott who absolutely, used to absolutely, absolutely bang them in yeah. off set pieces, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. I was just waiting. How long have we go? To go retro and he wasted about 15 minutes. <laughs> well, that, that's right. Well, yeah, yeah, I've got yeah, you two yeah. on. But it's still relevant, though, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah. it is relevant, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, I, I agree. And I, I just thought on, on Saturday, it was like modern football, wasn't it? You said when we got silver and we want to see modern football and you saw that on Saturday. And as Pano said, and I will go retro again, just to, is like, that was, the, we always say this, don't we, this time of the year. Howard's teams, even if they had the struggling season, always finished the season, finished the season really well, with yeah. like five or yeah. six wins over the last eight years, and it was first three years at Goodison. 
Um, when they finish seventh and eighth or whatever, they always finish six wins in the last eight games. And um, I think we've certainly got that in us. Mm. Doesn't matter who we're playing, I think we've got it in us. Mm. Um, and uh, I was just absolutely made up with uh, with Saturday. It was really buzzing after the game. You know? well, well, that how, how, how did you celebrate it, Gav? Did you go home and read Pride and Prejudice? No, 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 no. I, I looked at the player stats, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just you know, yeah. two tribes. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Um, I was just made up, had a few beers and stuff, and it was uh, it was great. And we look, we always look great when we play well in the all blue kit as well. I don't nice. know why. Yeah, nice. I, I love that kit. Yeah, yeah, again, it, it harks back to good performances yeah. in the past wearing that. But yeah, it does have something about it. Only for away games, clearly you yeah. wouldn't like to see all blue at Goodison. Yeah, uh, but you know it does have something about I, it. As a performance, it reminds me of one of the best games of the Moyes here in terms of performance when we won 3-1 at Aston Villa in February 2005 yeah. in the mm. Champions League I think Tim got one I think Leon got two yeah. mm. and uh, we were absolutely fantastic that came out of nowhere as well that game and, and that was a fantastic away performance and that was even better mm. in some respects than West Ham a better team than Villa then Well this is the kind of performance like it, it harks back to what you I, th- I remember you saying on this podcast at the start of the season like at the end of this season you just wanted to see a progression yeah, yeah, from, yeah. from last season and I think putting in those kind of displays if you look back at where where at this stage last season you know even in that win against Huddersfield away from home it was that was probably one of the most boring games of football I've ever watched in my life yeah. even though we won 2-0 and it's the same it's the same scoreline yeah. in this match but it's the progression on the pitch and the way we played is just it's just it goes back to what Plano was saying about needing to finish the season Really well. If we do that, I think we will say there has been progression mm. if we carry on play. I mean, it's been signs of that, hasn't it? Like Cardiff played really well second half, Chelsea played well really second half. We were really good for 60 minutes in Newcastle, so it's not as if that really came as a shock. We, mm. It was just, as you say, play, playing like that over 90 well, well, minutes. Well, to answer the question that so many media pundits put out there only a couple of months ago, what do Evertonians want? Because they were trying to support their old, you know, sort of crony Sam Allardyce, who, you know, claimed that, you know, his eighth place finish last season was indication that he should still be here this season. That is what we want as Evertonians. Yeah. We wanted to see football that is easy on the eye, football mm. that is creative, football that is progressive. They've already scored more goals this season than they did in the whole of last season, you know, so which is a stat in itself. Mm, much but, better well, on chances created exactly, as well, yeah. aren't we? And, and, and we're like doing that. it in a, you know, a, an inventive way, a way that you actually enjoy watching rather than just like grinding results out. You, you, in modern football, you can't just grind out 1-0, 2-0 results and you know expect fans to be happy with this. Mm. Okay, you know, it's a results business and they are massively important but it's an entertainment business as well and mm. you've got to do it you know in an enjoyable fashion well Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer came out after their the win over Watford recently and he said he said something along along similar lines really yeah, didn't he? he he was like you know these kind of even though they've won he was like well these kinds of performances don't just don't really sit well I know that Manchester United have got to be demanding better than that and Everton absolutely have to be demanding better than what we were seeing last year. Several managers have been sat in the Premier League the last two years because they may have got the results, but the Premier League has been, but their their performance has been boring. Mm, Club Poala, Pou- Pou- Southampton. Yeah. I think the fella at uh, Watford. Um, so there's been a, there's been a few who've, who've, uh, who've been sat because if you're not winning 
trophies are competing at the top end and you're paying 40 quid the ticket, you want to be entertained, don't you? Mm-hmm. I know. I mean, it's, it's yeah. Manchester United do have a heritage and a tradition of attacking wing play. You know, you think of United, you think of wingers. And Everton, I know it's an old-fashioned phrase now, School of Science. It was 1928 when Steve Bloomer first coined it. But Evertonians of a certain vintage certainly expect, you know, sort of football of that quality. And, you know, it, it's just not good enough, you know, to, to grind out 1-0 wins. You know, it's got to be done in a certain fashion and you know fingers crossed Marco Silva's the right man that will you know help us achieve that mm-hmm. and you've just mentioned wingers there Preno and, and, and one who obviously impressed against West Ham we, we, we briefly mentioned them Bernard but you know when you look back on, on all the great wingers that have, have played forever and if Bernard puts in performances like he did against West Ham like he's shown on occasion this season and adds goals to his game could surely be up there with one of the finest the club's ever had. Well, you've just uh, thrown the rider in there if he adds goals to his game. Uh, you know, so to, to be a... And you can't really call Trevor Stephen and Kevin Sheedy wingers because, you know, they were far more than that. Dave Thomas was a winger, uh, you know, out, out and out. Um, they are a bit of a dying breed nowadays. You know, you've got to be, a, you know, more of a rounded player. And Bernard has the ability to be you know, so a rounded player. His, his, his technical ability is magnificent. Love watching him. You know, so his touch on the ball is great. His vision is something else as well. And we saw that very, very early on. You know, so that goal he created, was it, was it Palace? Or, well, you know, Fulham. Fulham, that was it. You know, where he just like stopped and he waited and he yeah. rolled the ball, you know, so casually across the edge of the 18-yard box. He's got all that in his locker. The only thing that he does seem to lack a little bit is uh, the ability to finish. Uh, that was his first shot on target in English football at the weekend. <laughs> and he has had open openings. But, you know, his record suggests that can improve. It might not improve massively to make him like, you know, so one of the greatest wingers in Emerson's history, but certainly one of the best in recent years. Certainly a massive upgrade on some of the wingers that we've been in inverted commas, treated to in the recent past. Aidan <laughs> <laughs> McGeady was scoring goals for Sunderland at the weekend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was the uh, Royston Drenther. Um, Big Yannick Yannick Bolassi yeah and I was thinking of uh, Christian Atsu yeah you know so Rodrigo Beckham (laughs) they they were just you know so wingers are flattered to deceive all the time you know so Bernard doesn't he actually delivers and delivers quite quite frequently and uh, he's easy to watch you love watching him play football he's a proper Mm. footballer I think it was interesting to see his quotes again after after the match the other day that uh, he's went through a similar thing of not not scoring for a while when he first joined uh, Atletico Mineiro mm. and uh, he said once he got his first goal there he banged in 11 goals in 30 games right okay so, so the floodgates have opened well I mean that, that that's what he's trying to say you know yeah. like hopefully that goal you know he, as simple as it was you yeah. know hopefully that just breeds a little bit more confidence in him because before he scored there was one little moment where he cut in off the flank and he beat one man and it looked like he had a bit of an opening to shoot like just on the edge of the box and you're thinking shoot shoot and then he tried to take on another man and he's lost it like hopefully he'll he'll now have the confidence to just take that shot on because you know we've seen uh, if you've watched them for Shakhtar Donetsk even in the Champions League you know he's he's got the capability to score some absolutely beautiful goals like even from outside the box so hopefully he'll just get that confidence back and you know a lot of it will have been down to he's not been this is probably the fittest he's he's been since he's moved to Everton because obviously he didn't get a lot of football last season. You know he's coming back from injury, didn't get a preseason. You know he's been working his way up to fitness throughout the campaign, and you know yeah. it's only now that we're really starting to see the best of him. So hopefully now he's got that confidence behind him. He's finally got the fitness behind him. He's got a good run of games behind him. Hopefully he'll just kick on from here, bag another couple of goals from now in the end of the season, and then from the start of next term he can just be. 
one of our most important players. Well, that goes for a number of players. I mean, Andre Gomez was the same, you know, so yeah. arrived without a pre-season under his belt. You know, so Yerry Mina came, you know, with a, with an injury and took a long time to, you know, sort of get into the first team. So, yeah, you know, all three of those players, Mina, if you can actually get into the team, you know, which is uh, easier said than done the way, the way Zuma and Keane are playing. Uh, but... You know, so <laughs> stay fit. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with, with the preseason under their belts, you know, so we could see, you know, so an upgrade even on what we're seeing at the moment next season. Mm. And do you think that Dean and Bernard partnership is one of the kind of biggest positives to come out of this season as well, Gav? It's been it's been growing week on week, really, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, d- definitely. Um, I like the way Bernard tracks back. I think that always makes a difference, doesn't it, in terms of partnerships uh, and. Dean has been exceptional for me. But exceptional, he's been he's been very good. Um, Not letting them have that exceptional tag. No, no. well, he's, he's been exceptional. He's been very good. You know, <laughs> I, think, I think he's been exceptional. Yeah. statistically I, I the best left back in the Premier League. No, Ousted Leighton Baines with ease. I think, no, he's no, been, yeah. I think he's been very good as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I think you've the voice of experience here, you see. Yeah. Mm. So temp- you youngsters yeah. just like yeah. dive straight into Ooh, it. We've seen Everton win the league. No, 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 I'm just saying, I just think he's been very good. Uh, far better. I'm not this, he's been far better than what I've expected in terms of like his, his transition into English football, you know. He's, like, he's settled in really well. Um, and I think that that is a really good partnership, and, and they made it easy for us West Ham, didn't they, on on Saturday in that that area of the pitch? You know, well, the fullbacks pushed forward. There was plenty of space and behind, um, and but what we did really well was we took advantage yeah. of that. And um, he, he, Dean has been been very good all year. And uh, who's, who's going to get the PFA continues. Player of the Year team at left back this year? Robertson, Robertson probably, because you know that Liverpool bias will get Robertson. <laughs> Like no, even has, Dean should be. He has had a very, very good season. No, for me, exceptional. You've got to be like Ashley Cole levels, you know, at his peak, you know, so that that's exceptional for me. But that's world class, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, no, but, no, but, you, you could, I mean, Dean, Dean, Dean gets into the France squad. Yeah. You were world champions at the minute. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think he's been very good. I think the, <laughs> the, other, the other thing I think uh, with, 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 with them is that I think um, he needs a good goes back to what we were saying before, the right balance as well, don't you? Because when we have Baines and Pienaar, we're always on the left-hand side. We, we mm. put, if you've got, like you were saying about Coleman and Richarlison are, are doing reasonably well at the moment, if you've got that balance on either side of the pitch, it doesn't half make a difference in terms mm. of your options, doesn't and you've it? And you've got someone like Gomez in the middle who yeah. can spray passes out to either wing. So maybe maybe more through accident and design, we appear to have got a really good balance about the full-back and the wide mid- midfielder or whatever you would call them. The moment because I say not wingers are they the, the, the sort of wide midfielders. Um, but I do think about Bernard to say is he'll score more goals when you play to his strengths, which is Saturday, isn't it? If we're looking oh, yeah. the ball up the pitch, then it's not going to happen, is it? Mm. You know, it was interesting to speak to like a West Ham journalist just before this match, and I asked him like who he's most scared about in the Everton team, and he he pointed out Bernard because he thought that Zabaleta would have so much trouble with him. And yeah. it, you know, it, Silver absolutely view in the end. Silver, yeah. Silver yeah. absolutely identified him, didn't he? Yeah. Because, as I, as I said earlier, like Zabaleta didn't know where his head was. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. And this week we packed our Everton reporter Phil Kirkbride off to London to go to the Football Innovation Summit where Marcel Brands was giving a talk entitled What It Means to Be the People's Club and Building for the Future. 
Uh, probably by the time this podcast goes out, Marcel's full uh, script <clears> from that <throat> will be available on the Liverpool Echo website. We're just going to discuss a few of the things he said because they were really interesting. I'll, I'll come to you first, Dave. And, you know, we all know footballers earn a lot of money, but every single Evan player gives up some of their weekly wage to Evan in the community. You can't really downplay that, can you? No, absolutely. Um you know, it's Tuesday lunchtime and we're recording this and Marcel, you know, so is still, you know, talking down there. So plenty more to come from that. Uh, that was one of the early things he said on stage. And it's quite heartening. And, you know, we, we know about it anyway, you know, so, but it's not something that the players are ordered to do. It's something that they're happy to embrace. And uh, I spoke to, to Phil Jagielka before the, um, the Everton in the community gala dinner recently. And again, it wasn't an obligation, you know, so they were actually made up to be there. And uh, he spoke about uh, the mental health initiatives that he, he'd been involved in and how he actually enjoyed it. He said he enjoyed, you know, the, the banter with a lot of the, you know, the guys, even people he was talking to uh, doing those sessions. So it's something that the players actually willingly embrace. And there was a nice line from Marcel in that this morning where, you know, as an outsider coming in and he said, it made me aware of why Everton really is the people's club. And all right, <laughs> it's, you know, one of those like, you know, sort of cheesy, you know, sort of throwaway lines that, you know, so Liverpool fans hate. But it, it's genuine, you know, so Everton do have uh, an affinity with the local community and it's why they're trying so hard to leave a legacy behind at Goodison Park when they go to Bramley Moor Dock. They're not just up in sticks and leaving. Yeah. They want to leave something tangible behind. So, yeah, it's good to hear that. And, you know, financial rewards, you know, so players putting them in money and they do get well rewarded we know that but they don't have to physically give money to have it in the community but they're choosing to do so so yeah great you know so I was really really pleased to hear that and Adam obviously a little bit more on Everton community Andre Gomez you know barely <coughs> had to be asked he was he was straight in straight involved and Marcel said he stole the hearts of fans in just a couple of weeks that seemed to be a theme of the summer wasn't it that we weren't just signing players that you know obviously talented footballers but you know from Gomez to Mina um, Bernard and Dean of all you know, done the fair share of work off the pitch as well and, and, and seem to be reasonably nice human beings as well. Oh, yeah. Like, I think throughout the summer, a lot was made about Everton trying to sign players with the right mentality. And I think that was mainly to do with, like, on-pitch matters. You know, we wanted to see players, you know, giving 100% on the pitch, you know, leaving it all out there, etc., etc. Like, we didn't... We haven't seen a lot of that over the last couple of years with some of the players that we've signed. But I think that mentality thing also stretches to matters off the pitch as well and it's you know you've seen players like Andre Gomez you know he's coming on loan from arguably the biggest club in the world in Barcelona and straight away he's in in there trying to connect with Everton fans because he knows the importance of trying to you know have that connection with supporters because that that is what Everton's been all about it's nice to see Andre Gomez has probably put in that little bit of research to see what you know what what really makes an Everton player and they've all bought into it you know I seem to remember Richarlison, you know, in a pre-season, in good, the last Goodison pre-season game, you know, he spent he spent about 10, 15 minutes at the end of the game, you know, giving his shirt away and he was getting loads of selfies with all the supporters as well because that is, that is what it is. Like, Everton players yeah. shouldn't be shouldn't be separated from the fans in any sort of way. They should have should have this nice little connection and it, it, it's really good to see, like, especially even from lone players as well, yeah. It's important to do that now as well because, you know, footballers do tend to be far more distant from the fans than they ever used to be. I mean, they don't, because the game is so different now because, you know, they are 
so much more professional than footballers ever were, you know, so in terms of their diet, in terms of looking after themselves. You know, you don't see them down the local pub anymore. You don't see them, you know, sort of eating in, in restaurants or not many. <laughs> um, you know, so they do tend to be separated from fans in that respect. And likewise, they're not really part of the local communities in which they live. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago footballers had a nice semi-detached in Magol or Crosby and what have you, and you'd see them walking around the streets or in the shops and that. You don't anymore. They're behind the uh, gates of these gated mansions, you know, so on the Riddle or up in Formby. So you don't actually tend to have any day-to-day involvement with them. So the more that, you know, everything the community can do to break down those barriers and basically allow fans to meet them and talk to them and yeah. see what kind of people are like is good, good for the club. Mm. Marcel also confirmed, Gav, the targets for the summer are already agreed upon. Uh, all the players we brought into the club in the last summer were under 25. We don't want to invest big money in older players. We are looking at players aged between 20 and 25, 26. Is that something that sounds good to you? Oh, absolutely, yeah. We said that last year, didn't we? Mm. When, when, when we went through the, the purchases good, that we good made. Good to see, though, that the targets are already in It doesn't seem like it's going to be yeah, a, yeah. a ragtag Steve, what, Steve Walsh summer. No, well, to be fair to, to Steve Walsh, that first came in, he had, you know, the limited window didn't need to do stuff. So it was always, the first summer, especially, was always going to be a bit, bit difficult. Um, yeah, I, I, Brands knows what he's doing. It was interesting to say that he worked closely with Silver, as you would expect. Um, and I didn't hear anything there that I didn't expect. You know, not to hear. Um, I'm more interested to who are those targets <laughs> and they're on the pitch. They are is, is the fascinating thing for me. Yeah, and I, that it's a way of, of, of the club a getting players who, who who are young enough and fit enough, but b they've still got a resale value. Part of our problem <clears throat> we've got and have done for the last two or three years having players who are not in that age bracket who would rather who are on big money who perhaps you know should be going elsewhere. Um, and uh, yeah, that that's pleasing to hear, though not unexpected. I think getting them in early is a big thing, though, because yeah. you know, especially you now last summer we saw quite a few late arrivals. You know, things like to Bernard Gomez, Yeti Mina. We had to wait a good a good while before we saw any of them really breaking yeah. into the first team. And then when they like, especially when Gomez did break into the first team, that's when we've you know started to see an upturn. Uh, so it's it would be. Really nice if identifying these targets early on can lead to yeah. getting them in early because it just helps it helps the whole squad settle together. Then you can really you can really assess assess what you've got to play with from the start of July rather from mid August. Yeah, the pivotal year for Moises time of two thousand six seven when we finished sixth and conceded only conceded thirty six goals I think, and he bought it made three signings that summer all done by the first week in June, which was uh, Les Scott Johnson and uh, Tim Howard, <laughs> all done by the first week in June, and and and, and we said then he wanted them in early just for, for those reasons Adams was talking about. So mm. hopefully we can do the same this year. Yeah. Do you think though, Preno, just <coughs> as important as obviously bringing people in, it's going to be one of the biggest summers that I can remember in terms of a lot of players that still have to be moved out. Yeah, we've we've spoken about this so many times, haven't we? The number of players that, you know, still needs to be shifted on just to try and ease the club's wage bill. I mean, that was why Farhad Mashiri effectively put the uh, the shackles on his uh, on his Wallace, you know, so last summer, because he just wanted to see players moved on. I think it's why Wayne Rooney, you know, so moved on, didn't fit that age criteria that they wanted and his wages were significant. So there's a lot of deadwood still to shift and uh, a lot of players that don't look like they're going to secure moves. I mean, Kevin Morales' uh, name has come up again 
uh, Fiorentina don't want to pay 7 million euros for him uh, he's still got a year left on his contract so I was going to have to try and you know sort of tout him around Europe again and try and find somebody else to take him on board uh, Yannick Balassi I'm not sure of his contractual situation but you know again you know, so another player that could be difficult uh, to, to move on I think Ashley Williams his contract has ended or will yeah. end Cuco Martinez another one you know so there are players that you know so we know will be leaving the club but there's an awful lot Cuco's and, still got a year left yeah. uh, has he really yeah. well, that's another one does he not have a, for. an agreement haven't they got an agreement where they just sign him at the end of the season I don't think so well, there's that. And then obviously the players were out on loan, you know, so has Nikola Vlasic done enough to warrant, you know, so being recalled back? Can they get a work permit for Henry on Yukuru? Uh, there's an awful lot apart from the players that we're just going to be signing, but, you know, the players yeah. that, you know, so need to be moved on. It, it's been tough, I think, it underlines, you know, so the magnitude of the task that, you know, so Marcel and Marco had to embrace. Because he said right? 38 players, did he say? Mm-hmm. The inherited, which is what, two whole match day squads, yeah. isn't it? If you think about it, you know, uh, which is a massive. Massive first team squad. I mean, the other one is is Baines and Jagielka's contracts. They're up this summer. They're up this summer. There's, yeah. there's other decisions about players whose contracts up, whether you retain them or not. Mm. So it's going to be the biggest summer about trying to get rid of players since well last summer, <laughs> I think. Because you know? it is. You don't, don't, in that context, it, and we forget about this in terms of our performances this year. Is it was a massive job that Brands and Silver yeah. inherited both on and off the pitch, wasn't it this year? And I think we we forget that in terms of looking out other way that the team's developed during the course mm. of the season. What does happen though, mentioning Baines and Jagielka, I mean, to me, I think they'll both leave the club in the summer. I'd be surprised yeah. if either of them were offered a, an extension. Uh, but I would hope that they would be allowed to leave the club in a very respectful way. And I'm comparing it to how Sylvan Distan left. And I know he'd fallen out with Roberto Martinez at the time and he, was, he, was, you know, he wasn't being selected. Uh, and he made a few comments which he wasn't happy about. Uh, you know, he wanted to say farewell to the supporters and he was only here for like a fraction of a time compared to Baines and Jagielka. Now, I'm not suggesting there should be some ceremonial farewell in the last, you know, and be allowed to play do, in the do final Do a John Teddy and sub him off after no, six minutes. Yeah. 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 Premier League points are too important for that. You've got to play your strongest team in all games. But I'd like there to be some kind of statement of intent from the club and, you know, long before the season finishes and, you know, basically say that if they are going to be leaving the club, let people know and so allow them to say farewell to the supporters, you know, so properly rather than just be, you know, season finishes up either way, not getting a new contract and sort of, usher them out. It was sort of a bit like that with Leon Osman, wasn't yeah, it? It was totally yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. from the club website. Yeah. 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 And they, they weren't happy about it. You yeah. know, so, and it is, it's, you know, there, there are better ways of doing it. And, you know, they're both very, very decent guys, Jaggy Elker and Baines. And, you know, they would accept it if they were, you know, told there wasn't going to be a new deal on the table. But equally, they should be allowed to move on. I mean, I don't want to go too far back, but Kevin Ratcliffe, remember the way he left the club? Yeah. It, it was quite shameful, really. The you most, don't you know, want to go too far most back. Most successful captain in the club's history. And, you know, so he was basically, you know, so couldn't find a club in the end. And yeah. Ushered out the back door. Just, yeah. just short answers before we, we move on to the next part, because I'm sure we'll talk about it in more detail. But, Say, Everton finished seventh, we qualify for Europe. We could do worse than giving Baines and Jagielka a one-year contract. Would that be something? You know, League Cup matches, FA Cup matches? <clears throat> um, or do you still think there's... there's, Bain, there's Baines, yes. I think there's still an absolutely quality footballer in Leighton Baines. I'm not saying there isn't one in Jagielka, but I think Leighton Baines can still cut it in the Premier League on a fairly regular basis. I think with Phil Jagielka, it's a little bit different. He's a little bit older. Uh, the way that strikers are in the Premier League these days, he needs to be a lot more physical. And I don't think he can be what we need him to be. So I, I would say yes for Baines, but no for Jags. Uh, uh, yes and yes. I think, um, you know, so Baines for the you know sort of criteria that Adam's just uh, marked on. 
Jack Elka, I think, uh, has looked decent on the occasions we've played him. That bomb back pass apart at Cardiff, uh, which he recovered <laughs> from very, very quickly. Uh, the issue with Jack Elka is fitness. You know, so a man at 36, Six. is he? Uh, you know, so picks up injuries far more frequently than he ever did. And as a result, doesn't recover from them as quickly. But his influence around the place, his influence in the dressing room is still big. And so, yes, you know, with that rider in mind, if there were Europa League fixtures to attend with, the squad would need to be bigger. And therefore, I could see an argument for both of them. Without European football, I suspect not. Gav, are you in Team Preno, Team Adam, or are you going to... Team Gav. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Uh, no I, I, uh, depends what players you bring in, doesn't it, really, as well? If, mm. if you can bring in another centre-half... You've, you've always got to make it complicated, haven't you, Gav? No, not really. <laughs> it's quite obvious, really, isn't it? Um, <laughs> if you bring in another centre-half, another left-back, who are decent quality, then No. But if we're struggling to bring another left back and you're bringing somebody in as a reserve to, to the team, we spoke about this last time out, didn't we? And he's not as good as Leighton Baines, and you'd, you'd probably want to give Leighton Baines a, a, a contract. I mean, if Baines, if Baines left in the summer, I think there'd be quite a few clubs interested in him, wouldn't he, really? Yeah. Um, Jags, I'm not so sure about. Um, but I, I, I think if we got the players in, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want, want either of them in. But. That's just uh, my opinion. Ruthless guy. Yeah, well, it is. Ruthless did, you see, did you see that thing that list of the top 10 longest saving Premier League players at the weekend? Three of them are Ivan Hardy. Colin you know, Baines. Baines and, and, and Jags. Jags, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And just to finish off today, then, the voting for Everton's Dixie Awards have, have opened now. And that is obviously Everton's player of the season, young player of the season, and goal of the season. So we're going to put forward our own choices. And I will start off. I would say that player of the season. Lucas Dean, young player, Richarlison, goal of the season, Sigurdsson, done and dusted, no arguments. Adam, do you agree? Uh, I agree with Dean, I agree with goal of the season, but young players, Calvert-Lewin. That's the me. Absolutely shocking show. Yeah. Come on, argue about it at the fair of you. <laughs> Arm wrestle. I think Richarlison's <laughs> in... The top under 21 goal I think Richarlison should be, prem. like, I think young player of the season should be, like, separate from player of the season. Richarlison's in the running for player of the season. He shouldn't be in for a young player of the season as well. He's 21. He's, okay. a, young, he's a young lad. Okay. I think you're giving it to Calvert-Lewin though purely on, on emotional kind of... He's ran round, he's gave us all, but he hasn't actually been the best young player ever, has he? Which is what that award is for. Adam's okay. just nodded his head and whispered, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> Colonel, Richarlison, Dean, Sigurdsson? Couldn't argue with any of them. Um, Lucas Dean, yeah, he's been the player of the season by, by, by some way. Uh, just with a, a special nod to Michael Keane, you know, so how well he's done this season, how consistent he's been. Andre Gomez would have got my shot if he'd have played longer, but you know, you've got to play for a full season. That'll be significant for a lot of the season, you know, to to make that one. Young player, yeah, you you lose sight of how young Richarlison is. Calvert Lewin is actually older than because Cal- he's had a move, you know, yeah. the Premier League for a lot of money. You seem to think of him as being older than he actually is. Yeah, twenty one, and to have you know hit double figures in the Premier League, to have had the impact he has. Yeah, you won't find many argument against that. And that goal was just absolutely sublime. I've still got that mental image, and it's not a good mental image to have of Ian Snowden's face, but um, <laughs> to turn around at Leicester, just screaming, what a goal. And it was, it was just the timing of it, the fact that it you know, ultimately was a match winner. It was, just, it was just absolutely wonderful. And it's funny, every season there always seems to be one that just like sort of stands out as goal yeah. of the season. 
It can be impacted uh, between now and the end of the season. And Dinier Billiolet have scored a cracker on the very last day of the season. Yeah. Jermaine Beckford scored against Chelsea, was it? With yeah, that that, that is one of the, of the most season. overrated goals. It is, I know. He no, stumbles, it's not, you know. stumbles <laughs> through about five challenges. Got to run, no, he was. literally he ran just, the length yeah. of the pitch. It was like, it was like yeah. a kid yeah. unchallenged. Do you remember that? That was one 50 yards unchallenged. That was one of the best Everton games that I can remember going to as well, the atmosphere that day, because we were a man sent off, didn't we? Yeah, so, you know, there's still plenty of time, you know, so for the judges voting to be influenced but uh, for me yeah it'll take some goal to yeah, be yeah. citizens um, I agree about Beckford yeah at no point in that that move did he have the ball in nah, control nah. At, any, at any time it was Umani Lukaku in Wolfsburg yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think um, player of the year Bobby Spencer and Luca Dean certainly young player of the year um, Richarlison it'd have to be run you know he, and What's he got? Twelve, yeah. twelve goals. Not necessarily played in his best position. He played across the front line all season. New club, big transfer fee, and the pressures that entail. Uh, new club, sorry, bigger club. Still relatively new to English football, and a team that sometimes has struggled. They can't complain really. And at the, you know, you would expect him to get better next year. Um, goal of the season. I had this conversation. You. Sixens was brilliant. Uh, I can sense a buzz. About two, seriously <laughs> underplayed. The second goal on on uh, Saturday I thought was a work of art. If that if that had been say Silver playing in Kevin De Bruyne and playing in Sterling for City, you'd be going that's Guardiola at his best there. And I mm. think you, you you really underplayed that. Yeah, second it's goal. the old. Is it a great move? Is it a great piece of individual yeah, skill? Yeah, debate? It, and, yeah. And the other one which I forgot forgot about and whilst we were uh, podding, remembered. Who was it? Was against Blank where we went from one end of the yeah. to the park. Well, that, was, that Sig- one, was it that Bernard, Richarlison, Sigurdsson, Bernard and, uh, Sigurdsson, and then Richarlison? Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it was Sigurdsson's ball where he just sort of that was a wonderful chipped, goal. Chipped like, yeah. It yeah, for Richarlison, so, yeah. and he, I sort of stopped Sigurdsson. I had to stop really quickly and chip the ball over, and Bernard yeah. ran after the end of the pitch. That's that's Rich, a Richarlison, hell of a team goal. That. Yeah, Richarlison came in from nowhere to score, and and I think in some respects that has got a combination of the the other two. So I'm going to go with that. I think special mention for Sigurdsson's yeah. against Fulham as well. The first one where he curls it round with yeah. his left foot. Having yeah. just missed the penalty and uh, made me think I was going to lose nice my goal. money on first goal scoring. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's three or four there, isn't it, really? It depends what type of goal you like and which is the most recent. I mean, I would imagine Sigurdsson at Leicester would probably be, as Prem oh, was yeah. saying, it was the match winner, it was the real team. I would put everything I own on that goal, being goal of the season. There's just... Yeah, team team but, goals as we're saying, you know, they, they get a little bit, but it's got to be that, hasn't it? What, what, a, what an amazing goal that is. Richarlison against uh, Brighton, I thought that was uh, that was top notch. Mm. Well, lads, thank you very much for joining me. As always, that's been your latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. Keep up to date with all your latest and best Everton news on the Liverpool Echo website, and we will see you. And you'll hear from us later this week as we preview the game against Arsenal at Goodison Park at the weekend. Thank you for listening, and have a good week. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.